What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Creator Spotlight, the interview portion of the Spotlight right here on Fightful. I, as always, am Stephen Jensen, joined by Jeremy Lambert. And today, our guest is a very accomplished professional wrestler who has a very, very wide resume of accomplishments, some of which include being a former BLP tag team champion, former two-time C4 tag team champion, former action tag team champion, former DPW tag team champion, former IWTV independent wrestling tag team champion, current Southern Underground Pro tag team champion, the only and longtime running champions over there at SUP, and also a former SUP Bonestorm champion. Don't think I forgot about that, representing the basement East back in those days. Welcome to the show, Dominic Green of the Bone Collector. How you doing, man? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on tonight. Uh, just to talk some some professional wrestling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Been looking forward to this, man. We we talked to to Q not too long ago, and and we've been we've been looking forward to getting you on here. So, uh, very very happy to have you on, man. Happy. Yes, to thank you. Here. Thank thank you for joining us. We we really appreciate it. Um, I'm just gonna start with with the obvious thing that is coming up this weekend: GCW, the return to GCW. How did this come about, and why was this the the right time to kind of make the GCW return? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, obviously, you know, Kevin and I have probably been two of the most tried and true IWTV guys for the last couple years now. Um, you know, we were very much the drum beaters to get the um, IWTV tag titles as something we would always talk to Jerry, say, "You need to get tag titles. You need to get tag titles. You need to get tag titles." After about two years of badgering, a whole pandemic, we were finally able to wear them down into the tournament that took place most of last year, uh, where we then won the initial titles, you know, and now I think that tag team wrestling on that service is in a very good spot with wrestling open and a lot of the Northeast guys, um, we've been four time out of TV tag team champions. It's kind of one of those things where, we wanted to go to somewhere where we really haven't been. When you look at our GCW appearances, they've been with the BLP co-pro shows. They've been basement East shows when they were there, but we really haven't done much more than that with them. So I've known Brett for what, six, seven years now from when he would come to AIW a lot. Um, true story. I was actually supposed to wrestle in GCW back in like 2017 but the weekend he wanted to run was one of my first weekends of the wall. So I'd, I couldn't do it. I think I was going to wrestle Riddle that weekend. And then Riddle also couldn't do it. So it all worked out. Um, so then realistically we did those base knee shows, but I reached, I reached out to Brett, Kevin and I had talked and we were like, you know, this is kind of the next step for us. I reached out to Brett about two months ago. Brett is like such an enigma when it comes to reaching out for stuff. So it was kind of like, back and forth and then you know it was kind of like hey detroit's coming up i live close to detroit kevin now based in chicago lives close to detroit the gcw tag division has had a lot of the same teams there there hasn't been a lot of turnover so there's a lot of fresh matchups for us there and that was pretty much what i told brett when i was reaching out to him i said us versus massey's in a singles match or singles tag match has never happened we've never wrestled jordan and nick in a singles tag match you know we haven't wrestled bussy in a tag match we haven't wrestled, I think there was another team. Oh, we haven't wrestled that SGC in a tag match. 
Like we've wrestled those guys singles, but never in a tag. So, you know, to me and Kevin, there was a lot of business to be done there. And that was pretty much what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, we're one of the top tag teams on the independent scene. It's time for us to kind of step into what a lot of people consider the top independent wrestling promotion on that scene. That that's wild. I did not realize that y'all have never tagged against Bussy, considering how often y'all have been on shows with with the two of them. Um, same with the SGC. I mean, like that's I never I didn't realize that. That's yeah, wild. Like, Kevin's had singles with Effie and Allie both at, at SUP, and then I've had singles with I had singles with Manders at SUP. I had a singles with Manders somewhere else. I don't remember who knows where at this point. It all flows together over the last seven years, uh, and then I've had multiple singles matches with Manser singles matches with justice so i mean it just it's never happened as a tag and like i said i remember last year when we did four cup stuff like the two moments of the match that a lot of people remember were us doing stuff with masizos and us doing stuff with jordan and nick so to me like that stuff was where it was at and i think that like i said they've had a lot of the same matchups they've kind of been somewhat redundant in in what they've done so i think that you know if we come in make an impression i think we're a really good piece of new blood there for the GCW tag team division. Nice. Yeah. That was actually my follow-up question was kind of what you thought your immediate future could look like with GCW. It sounds like it's something that if it, if it goes well, you want to do, you know, pretty regularly going forward with GCW. Yeah. I mean, GCW is the number one show in town. Um, they run the most, they run the biggest variety of cities. So we would love to be there as much as we can. Um, you know, our sites are set on Nick and Jordan. Our sites are set on the tag titles. And that's what we really, you know, have our, our eyes on. You know, we want to wrestle the East West Express. We want to win the tag titles. And, I mean, that's as simple as it is. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a somewhat off topic, but it's a good time to bring it up because we've talked about this moment many times on our show with various guests. And we're talking about tag team wrestling. We're talking about, you know, matchups. You know, and we're talking about Basement East a little bit already, too. Um, I was there live um, for they might be giants versus violences forever um, in the basement East. There's a very infamous moment in that match that anytime I bring this match up, it gets brought up. The first thing is brought up. That's the one with the bell, right? That's the one with the bell, right? Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that at all? Cause like you're the oh. guy who threw, who, who threw the shot out there. Black, so like black that I, it's one of those things. Like I remember <laughs> when the gift got posted, I was like super horrified because I didn't remember that part of the match at all. Like clearly everything else happened in the match. Like, I remember all that. And then that bell shot happened. Like the gift of that bell shot came out. I was like, oh my God, what the? F- can I curse? Yeah, you can say yes. whatever. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck did I do? I remember the first thing I did was I messaged Dan. I said, I'm so fucking sorry. I don't remember this being a thing. And he's like, no, it's okay. Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, it's really not okay. I feel like a real fucking dickhead. Um, I apologize to him greatly for that. And I think that the only thing that the only thing I can laugh about in that situation was I hit him with the bell and I look at my hands you know, straight out of Johnny Gargano playbook from, you know, he was my trainer. So it's funny. Yeah. But like, I, that, like I said, that gift got posted and I was just like, Oh my God. I was like, I look like the biggest asshole in the world right now. Like this was not safe. And I I would like to think I've learned a lot from that. (laughs) Gotcha. Hey, well, for whatever it's worth, I know that you know this already. And a lot of time has passed obviously since then, but I interviewed Dan like, like a couple years ago during the pandemic asked him about it. He was like, yeah, just like was what it was. And like, everybody kind of like crossed a line to some degree that night. And they're yeah. like, it was like, so half of them were like, we're not bleeding during this. And like, right before they went out there, they're like, all right, let's do this. Like we're going all in on this, you know? Yeah. That was, it was such a weird thing. Cause like, I knew I was going to bleed. And then I think like Marco and Dan were like 50, 50 iffy. And I think who was like, well, I'll take the skewers. And then I bleed from that. I bleed from that. And then next thing I know Dan's just got, 
got so much blood going. I've just got a, a whole. I remember a girl running out of the venue because I was bleeding so much in that match. Like it was, uh, it was interesting. The crazy thing about that is I flew home that night because I had to oh go to work God. the next day. Oh my gosh! And you had do you have, you have any tacks left in your feet? No, that you know what the, the tax in the feet didn't hurt as much as the tax on my head. I was actually referring to that this weekend at AIW and somebody. Uh, it was when I was getting ready to wrestle Ziggy. I was like, any of these weapons you can hit me with, and I do not care. But do not hit me with those tack bats because I hate getting tacks stuck on my head. It hurts so bad. Like uh, what was, what bar, was the barbed wire? Bust every light tube over my head, but don't <laughs> hit me in the head with a tack bat. They hurt so bad. <laughs> what was the reaction when you showed up to work? The next day. Oh, I always wore my hair down. Uh, <laughs> so like they didn't see it. And then, or I just, I, I pull like the abused person or I'm like, Oh, I just fell in the ring last night. It's no big deal. Like they know I wrestle. So they, right. they were just like, oh, okay. Like it's dumb. The harder one to explain was after the, the first Josh push-up match, when I had all the holes in my ear from getting skewered in the ear, they were like, what happened to your ear? And I was like, oh, I just slept on, on something the wrong way, you know? Yeah. So, so speaking of these kind of spots, these are, you know, obviously these are some big decisions that are being made. Um, like, is this usually like your idea to do like the, the tax of the feet or like it call or the guest viewers to the ear and these kind of things, is this stuff like you bring to the table or you're just like open to ideas? Um, I'm open to ideas if it makes sense. Like I think right now, currently where we're at in deathmatch wrestling, like too much stuff is just done to do it. And like, as much as I love like Danny and ICW, like a show full of eight death matches is very redundant. Um, and by the eighth match, you don't remember what happened in the first match. So it's real hard to keep doing stuff. And like, I look at stuff like Tremont just getting hurt against Neil Diamond Cutter and being in the hospital from that crazy light to death match and stuff like that. And I think that like quasi the boundaries are getting pushed a little too much. Um, that's why like, I'm like a part-time like hardcore death match type guy now. Um, I just yelled at Josh Bishop for the amazing amount he bled off of next to nothing when he wrestled mm. Tom the other week. Um, yeah. When it comes to like that stuff, the screws in the ear thing was something was a spot I'd always had planned, but I never had someone that would agree to it. Um, he is definitely you know you shouldn't mention his name as of course his pending legal stuff, but like it was an idea that I had for BJ Whitmer. Uh, to do with me in our first Smitter Surrender match, and he refused. Said absolutely not. I will not do that to you. Um, and then I never really had another match that made sense for it until the Josh match. And then I knew Josh was going to be game for it. Yeah. So we agreed to do it. Um, it definitely hurt entirely more than I ever thought it would. Because I was like, oh, this is all just dead tissue. This is going to hurt. I was wrong. Um, and then, like, the tax and the feet thing, like, started becoming more in vogue. And then, like, the first time I did it, it sucked. But, like, you kind of figure out how to goose step through and things like that. The only thing that, like, sucks when I was barefoot was – we did some stuff at like a wrestle rager where it was like me, Yuta and justice. And we did light tubes where we all let Fonzie has light tubes. And there's light tubes in the ring. That shit hurts to walk on with no feet. Like there's no way to goose step that really. Like you can't thumbtacks. Like you can kind of like walk on the sides of your feet with like thumbtacks and you'd be okay. But um, yeah, those spots, they have to make sense and they have to come from either like a blood feud to me now or stuff like that. Because like from like 20, 19 like most of my 2019 year i did a lot of like hardcore death match etc it was just too much and now i'm like yeah i'm good with that <laughs> have you done legos no legos i haven't this? done legos no okay they did that i did a sub match before with uh brickster uh incorporated those i think against uh him and stokely halfway had like a hardcore match at some yeah i think he did with stokely and i think he did with teddy king yeah you're right you're 100 right, right about that. Teddy king lies these days 
Uh, yeah, we actually talked about Teddy King a little bit because we had Manders on last week, and I was like, dude, that was so random. They've had that whole, that whole story based around Teddy for so long. And as, someone, as someone who helped write it, you know, as, as someone who was on the creative at that point, uh, when Teddy just up and quit out of nowhere, it was a, a nightmare for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can confirm this. I've heard that he was going to win, I believe, SCI Futures that year, and I believe Man- Manders said he was he was kind of penciled in to become the sub-champion. I, I believe that was where we were going to go with it. Um, and then we kind of made all the kind of concessions. Like I can tell you that there's probably a list of like 12 guys that were going to win the subtitle at some point, but it just never worked out. Um, and then like now, obviously stuff is so hard to organize for Kevin and I, because neither of us live near where the home base is. When I've so, heard that y'all had issues with Live Nation now as well with like the venue. Yeah, and like that's something that you know we see with AIW now. Obviously, I'm so ingrained in AIW, like with helping John book and things like that. Like all these venues are getting taken over by Live Nation or Ticketmaster. Like for example, like we're doing JLet at Temple Live in Cleveland, and they're a Ticketmaster venue. And every year we offer like a ticket package for the weekend of three shows, and we refuse to do it this year because if the more expensive the tickets are, the higher the fees are. So we were like, you know what? We're just going to offer all a cart this year and let people choose because it's cheaper on the fees. And like, that's the big live nation thing too, is fees. Like you guys go to a concert, you know, it's a $20 ticket and you pay $45 after all the fees and everything. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I got hit with that with the, we're going to offspring here in a, I, I live in Akron and we're going to offspring here pretty soon. And yeah, the fees were more than the tickets. You live in Akron? Is, yes. Yes. I live in Canton. So like, you legitimately might be like, uh, you know, obviously like 15 minutes away from me. Yeah, um, I believe I believe that. I just bought tickets to Wonder Years. Uh, oh, okay. And, uh, I think it's in, uh, it's October. And I remember like the ticket was like $22. And then I, when I checked out, it was 45 I was like, God, it's wild. <laughs> what a scam, yeah. man. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah, off Offspring's coming to uh, Akron Theater. Uh, oh, and, nice. Like, yeah, August twenty second. So, so we're going to that. We live just a few minutes away from there. Right, being being in Ohio, I'm not from. I'm, I mean, I live in Ohio now. I'm not originally from Ohio. I moved here in uh, 2021. Uh, can you say good things about Ohio besides AIW and the wrestling well, is good? I mean, my whole family's here, so I gotta kind of like it. I mean, cheap cost <laughs> living. Cheap cost living. I'll tell you that much. Like, yes. I remember when I when I first got my new apartment, and I told Ku and his wife how much it was. They like lost their mind. Like, it's so cheap. So, like, cheap cost living's good. Um, I mean, I like our sports here. You know, I like all of our sports teams, no matter how much they break my heart every single season. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, you know, the ability to have broken in with AIW is another thing that is invaluable, uh, you know, from that Ohio gave us. So, <laughs> um, Oh yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy. You have any, Ohio oh. I don't know much about Ohio. Only I, I visited you there for your wedding and that's pretty much my only Ohio <laughs> experience. I, I was just going to ask, you know, breaking in with AIW training, uh, with Johnny Gargano, what was, what was all of that like? And how did you just get started with everything? It's a great question. Uh, I tell the story every podcast when they ask me how I got started in wrestling. And it's very funny. So obviously, you know, if you watch my early matches, you see that like my jiu-jitsu background was kind of like my antithesis was, you know, prior to wrestling, I was like major competitor in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and it was 20, the year was 2015. I had been really running about four years really hard trying to win a world title in jiu-jitsu. I went up against this guy, um, Andrew Wiltsey, that year who just smoked me. I had never been smoked like that in a tournament in my life. Uh, we'll see one 
the pans in the worlds at our weight class that year was the only American to do it. He beat all the Brazilians, which was amazing at that time. Now the playing field is a little more leveled now. Um, and I remember he just buzzsawed me and I was like, you know what? This is like a waste of my time. Uh, just in terms of I'll never accomplish what I've set out to accomplish. And like, it was one of those moments where like I had that stark realization of like, I don't need to be spending all my time dedicated to this to not do what I want to do. And it's going to drive me insane. Um, so I remember I took like a week off after the world in 2015. And that was the first time in like two years I had taken a full week off of jujitsu. Um, and I went to raw when I came back to Ohio because I was in Chicago at the time training and that and when I came back to Ohio, raw was here. And the year leading up to that, like 2014, 2015 was when Kevin Owens had debuted NXT. He'd gotten called up so quick. And like, my backstory is like Kevin Owens was my guy on the Indies. Kevin Steen was like my favorite guy when I was like a 15 year old chubby kid who was like, Holy shit. Like this guy's awesome. Um, so, you know, seeing his success, I started getting back into wrestling, trying to figure out all the independent stuff I had missed over like the last like four years of being so ingrained in jujitsu. And I went to raw in Cleveland and this would be the night after I believe money in the bank where was it after money in the bank or is after elimination chamber and there was like a live MGK concert. And I remember that yeah. <laughs> Owens powerbound MGK off the stage. And like, that was like the moment I was like, you know what? I think I can take everything that I've wanted to do. All right. I want to do jiu-jitsu and I can make it into wrestling. And I, I had been a wrestling fan for years prior. And like, I was going to be a pro wrestler before I ever wanted to be a judoka or like a jujitero or before I wanted to be like an MMA fighter. And I was like, and then just, I got into high school wrestling and like, Pro wrestling took a backside, and that was also like those dark years of WWE, where it was like Randy Orton, John Cena main event. It was like so boring, and like I was just like really out. And then, like when I was sixteen, I was going to local indie shows, setting up the ring, and like I was going to train. But also at that time, there was a lack of any good school around here. Um, it was a lot of like iffy guys. So let's fast forward. MGK powerbomb stage by Kevin Owens that night. I go home and I search pro wrestling schools, uh, Canton, Ohio. Um, Two wrestling schools showed up. One was Mega Championship Wrestling. The other was AIW. And uh, I go check the Twitters. AIW is like posting about Johnny doing NXT extra work. At that time, I think he dressed like a Paul Cruz in like a dark match. So I was pretty sold, but I had one other confidant. Uh, so back when I was setting up those shows, those rings when I was 16 at these indie shows, there was a referee there. And it just so happened, small world stuff. Uh, I ended up coaching his kids in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for like six years after that. Uh, so I asked him, I said, James, I said, if you were in my shoes, I said, where would you go? Would you go to this one or AIW? And he said, I've seen what you've done the last four years of jiu-jitsu, how hard you've worked and, you know, where you want to get. He goes, you're going to need to go to AIW for what you want. Um, and I remember it was a couple weeks before I was able to get started because it was like something happened and that was Absolution that first week. So then I went the week after Absolution, the one with the crazy 10-man main event that cost like 20 grand that Thor will tell you about. Um and then I started training in August of 2015. Um, I always asked Johnny and Candice, you know, I was like, what did you guys think when I came in? And Candice, like, very quickly quips, you had wrestling shoes and qualifiers. She's like, I knew you were going to make it. <laughs> uh, so I started. And then at that time, we had two classes, Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, we had a beginner's class followed by an advanced class. And I would come do the beginner's class, sit and watch the entire advanced class and take notes until I was able to do both classes and then I would do both classes. And uh, obviously Jeremy, you know, you, you know, the kind of like uh, geography here, like 
Canton and Cleveland's about an hour each way. Yeah. Um, so that was like the entire thing there. That was August 2015. And around December of 26, around December 2015, there were talks of like they thought maybe I could debut because they had like this big AIW 10 man, like where it was all the school kids, but it didn't work out. And then I debuted in March of 2016. But you know, breaking with Johnny and Candice is one of the best things that we could have done, especially at that time, because Johnny had just done like two WWE tryouts. So he knew everything the WWE system was looking for. He knew the drills to bring back, which in turn helped me when I took over for the school, when Johnny left, because then I was just able to kind of take Johnny and Candice's blueprint and part a little bit of what I have into it, but use mostly what they taught us. So your your first match, uh, I'm going to tie a couple things here. Your first match, according to, to Cage Match, which I assume is correct. Uh, you can't assume that, Jeremy. This thing is wrong all the time we talk to people. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but Britt Baker was in this match. And yep. I was at the show last year, um, Gauntlet for the Gold, when yep. she returned to yep. AIW and teamed with you. So having that kind of a, a full circle thing where your first match is with Britt, she comes back. Now she's of course, well-established on television comes back teams with you. I think Josh told the story of when she returned, like you guys didn't, didn't really know, or, or you knew at like very late in the game, but Britt was like very kind and also just donated her, her money to everyone else on the card. She didn't want to get paid for it. She yeah. wanted everyone else to get paid. So, so uh, obviously this is great timing for this because, you know, the internet's running wild with Britt Baker stories that are yeah. uh, unfounded, untrue. Britt is one of the realest people I've ever met in wrestling. Um, she still will call, she'll still text and talk to us. I know she talks to John on a pretty regular basis. Um, but, you know, Britt, when I started, Britt started coming around shortly thereafter because I was there August. So she started coming around in September, October. Uh, it was right after she'd done the WWE tryout, and they told her, hey, we we think you should go to AIW and train with Johnny and Candice. So she would come up a couple days a week, and obviously this is while she's in dental school, and she's driving two hours each way. So, I mean, that showed you how much, you know, she wanted it, and then, you know, she'd come in there, run all the drills with us, do everything. And obviously, you know, we were scrapping wrong to some really shitty shows when we started compared to what she was able to get on right off the rip. But, you know, she was always there. She was always working. Um you know, we were always trying to figure out ways to incorporate her, you know, as one of the students, you know, and, you know, she would always send me stuff to watch of hers. What can I do better? How can I be better? And she did that up until she was signed. Um, you know, the anytime AEW is in town, you know, she hangs out with us. She talks to us. And, you know, obviously that gauntlet story last year, as Josh told it, is very, you know, we knew late, we figured out very late in the game that it was going to happen. She had wanted to do it for about a year, but it was hard to get the logistics. And then it just, everything worked out perfectly. Like we had the, we had the, the deal with me and Cardona and then Cardona had a whole crew and Chelsea wanted to work Brit again. And that hadn't happened in a while. So it all just worked out perfectly. It was like the perfect, like John books, everything duh. And it had to be very ECW style. And it was like such a good ECW style angle of like me and Cardinal start. I'm about to win. PME comes out, attacks me. And then, okay, Rip City comes out. We even the odds. And then, oh, Chelsea takes out Rip City. Oh, no. And then here comes Brit. It's all like this big thing. I The only thing I do remember was there was a very like large like spattering in our office chat of what music she come out to. And I remember Steve Guy, the ring announcer, was like, oh, she's got to come out to, you know, her old Iron Man theme. I'm like, absolutely no she doesn't i was like <laughs> i was like 
you're not gonna play to like the people who watched you here. I was like, you're gonna play to the big crowd. I was like, she has to come out to you know the doctor can see you now. And obviously she came out, one of the loudest pops ever. And you know, I, I find myself super blessed that I've been a, I was a part of two big AEW to AEW returns. I was part of that one, and then when Kingston came back, Eddie and I wrestled on that AIW show back in April of 2021. No one knew. Um, that was just like 120 people sounded like a thousand that night. But, you know, same thing though. Britt, she came, she donated her meet and greet back to the company because she owes, she, in her mind, she owes so much to, you know, what she was able to learn at the school, plus what, you know, John and all of us helped her with. And then, you know, everybody's in the match. She doesn't need the money. So she's just like, you know what? I'm just going to spread it up across these guys who were in the match. And like I said, honestly, one of the realest people I've ever met and still like to this day, you know, takes care of us. Remember when her, her theme hit, but good call on using the AEW theme and yeah, not yeah, the Iron, sure. Iron Man theme. Because this weekend, that was our first AIW show. It was uh, myself and my wife. And, you know, we're, we're watching it and the music hits and my wife doesn't know anything about Brit's time and like AIW or anything, yeah. but she hears the doctor will see you and just oh, yeah. immediate big pop reaction for that. Had Iron Man hit, she would have been like, who is this? who is coming out because gauntlet for the gold, they bring back like a, a lot of people and everything mm -hmm. and the music hits. And because she doesn't follow it or anything, she's like, I yeah. don't really know. People are excited for these people, but she did not know who they were. Yeah. It, a AEW theme hits. She she's up. She's What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Cheering. <laughs> it's funny. It was like, engine music has always been, like, such a struggle for me. Because, like, in AEW, when I started, like, I had, like, six different themes. And then I settled on something. And I, it was Run the Jewels. Uh, blockbuster night and like it was really over and then like when i turned heel i wanted to change it and then kevin and i started using zombie and it got so over so then i wanted to use zombie and then thorne was like hey i don't like zombie for you here it's too slow it's a whole different argument for a different day <laughs> uh so then when i came back from my injury i was like they were like well, what do you want because i had been using self-esteem but a, a cover of self-esteem uh and i was like you know what let's go back to run the jewels and I really learned the importance of how everybody remembers that song for me and how like it is. So that's my big thing is like, you, you got to have that entrance music and you got to have the entrance music that people know. Yeah. Well, and kind of tying in with that, like not just like the entrance music, but like just kind of the whole, your whole presentation, everything you're very um like diverse in what you can, uh, you can bring to the table as far as like, your your legitimate jujitsu background um mm -hmm. like just martial arts in general you're i know you're a big fan of mixed martial arts and i've seen you in a bunch of different styles of matches for different companies like the uwf five rule style matches and all the different companies all over um it's, in fact as a matter of fact just you know you just mentioned kevin owens being your your guy on the indies kevin steen um my brother isn't a big wrestling fan but he sees a lot of wrestling because he's just around me so often i watch a lot of independent wrestling obviously you are one of his favorite wrestlers because oh, he's just, he's just seen you so many times. Like every time so there was a stretch of time where every time I watched IWTV for like years straight, he would, he'd be like, yeah, that that's my dude right there. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> it, 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 it'd be like, it was like, he was just this thing. That's my guy right there. You're always, always rooting for you. So um, can you speak to kind of like how important that is to, to just be like diverse in what you can you know bring to the table, like stylistically and everything? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a great point to bring up. I, I think that 
the most important thing is like you like you said, being able to do a little bit of everything. Um, and I try to really stress this to the kids at the AW school. Like you don't want to be pigeonholed and only being one thing. And that was probably what I was most scared about when I first started was I was really nervous about being pigeonholed and just being the shooter guy. Um, and honestly for a little bit, I was, uh, but my goal throughout everything was to kind of work through that and show, you know, a variety in my work. And I think that I have, and that actually kind of comes to a point that I just brought up to paradigm recently. I, I was talking with Gary, the promoter. I was like, I'm really just like overdoing UWFI stuff right now. I think I've shown everything I can show in it. Um, I'll help agent the stuff if you need it, but it's just not a style I really want to do right now. Um, I think people forgot here that I, I'm a really good wrestler um, and stuff like that. But, you know, being able to, you know, have a bunch of different tools and, and the tool belt, as, you know, someone would say, makes me, or really any wrestler for that matter, able to kind of be booked more and, be worth more to any kind of company um, because I can go out there and I can have a really grapple heavy match or I can go out there and I can have a really strike heavy match. But then also because Johnny and Candace trained me, I know how to do a lot of spots and I know how to like set matches up like that. So it really kind of makes me just, like I said, kind of like a multi-threat, like a multi, like, like a five tool player to a point for those sports fans that like they call five tool players. Someone's able to do a little bit of everything. I'm able to do a little bit of everything. There's definitely stuff that I do struggle at and like that I would know I would struggle at. Like, not going to be your biggest lucha guy in the world, but um, I know at least a little bit of lucha. I know how to base. I know how to do stuff like that. Um, and that's the idea is that if you kind of are able to bring a lot of stuff to the table, then you're a lot more attractive to almost everybody. And I've had multiple people be like, man, like it's wild to like watch you do like this crazy technical match, but then you can have this crazy, awesome, hardcore match. And I don't know, probably because I watch a lot of wrestling and I've watched a lot of wrestling since I was like 12 where it was like, oh, well, here's this. And it probably comes back from like watching like older CZW and IWA and ROH, where there was just so much variety on those shows that it wasn't just like high spot match, high spot match, high spot match. Like an old 2002 CZW show was like, okay, well, here's your high spot Jack Evans match. And then here's your like kind of really cool uh, Kevin Steen Kevin match. And then here's your death match with like Zandig and Lobo and Wife Beater and Necro. And then like, hey, here's a really good Roderick Strong match on top of it. So it's like, realistically like a lot of people talk about like this like weird golden age of the indies but like there's not a lot of gonna be like i don't know if we'll ever have the kind of like talent we had on the indies from like 2002 to like 2010 before the big signing booms happen because at this point and thorn will tell you this too like anybody gets over they get signed at this point whether it be the AEW, wwe new japan's bringing more guys in now with visas opening up so it, it's it's harder for it's harder for the scene to maintain more than anything. Well, and kind of on top of that, like, what's it like? Because I mean, y'all, as you guys are so impressive. I, 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 I compare y'all often to um, teams like Red Dragon mm -hmm. and uh, teams like the City Machine Guns, and the fact that like individually or as a tag team, you and Kevin like. You, you're constantly booked either as a singles or a tag team and you can be put in any position. It's always going to be a match that you can rely on. It's going to be, it can be anywhere on the card. It can be any for any title and people are always going to be into it. Like, but obviously you have to build that reputation to, mm -hmm. to get in that spot. I guess like how important is it? I guess just to like the willingness to get in a car and just yeah. go places and get booked because I know there's a lot of risk reward to that. Where like yeah. you might, you might, 
I mean, there, you might lose a lot of money. You might mess mm-hmm. up your, your full-time job. There's a lot of intangibles there where you might not make it, but the, the, the reward, if you do, is obviously that that's the dream for so many of y'all. 100%. One of the biggest lessons I learned straight out, out of the, the gate for wrestling came from John Thorne. Uh, he told me, always have a shoot job because you never know when you're going to be slow. You never know when you're going to be hurt. So you have to have something that you can back that you have a backup plan with. Uh, so I, you know, I was super blessed in 2016, like right as I debuted, I started a new job. I've worked at that job every day since I debuted. Um, they're very open with schedule. They're very open with everything. So that's helped me out. Um, but traveling is the key. It's the complete key to becoming a better wrestler. Uh, I did a seminar with Regal and he said, guys, the greatest wrestler in the world probably never left his territory. And it's true. There, there, there are a lot of great wrestlers that just don't leave their area. Um, and, you know, whether that be for a number of things. But I always kind of stress to everybody that wrestling is the most expensive hobby you could probably pick up. One of the most expensive hobbies you could pick up until you sign a, a contract that pays you a livable wage. Um, whether that be with WWE, AEW, New Japan, etc. But until then, this is a hobby and it's very fucking expensive. Uh, it's expensive to travel. It's expensive to get nice gear made. It's expensive to diet right. Uh, it's expensive to go to the gym. It's expensive to do a million things. Um, and you're going to eat a lot of shit. Okay. But the biggest thing I tell anybody is you have to, you have to learn to eat shit, but not like the taste of it because you have to eat shit to start. And then you're like, you know what? Shit doesn't taste that good anymore. And I'm better than this. So you know what? Now I want a bologna sandwich. And then you got to go from the bologna sandwich and you say, you know what? I'm real fucking tired of bologna sandwiches. You know, I like a hamburger and then I'm tired of hamburgers. I want a steak, so on and so forth. Um, I did a lot of seminars uh, with Evolve when I first started because to me, ROH Golden Era Gabe is like what I grew up watching. So I, one of my main goals when I started wrestling was to work for Evolve. And I remember one thing that Gabe said that always resonated with me was um, that wrestling is like getting a doctorate. When you think about it, you go to school, you get your undergrad, you graduate wrestling school, right? That's your, however long. And then you spend the next seven years getting your doctorate doing internships, making very little money, sacrificing a lot to end up getting hopefully that big position at, you know, as a doctor. Uh, and I really, that was one of the things I always took from those seminars that really kind of made me think um, and remember, and then obviously it ended up paying off for me as I worked almost a full year for Evolve, got to work, you know, with Ring Conf a lot, got to work with, you know, Drake and Henry. That's where I first met Drake and Henry. Um, got to work with Yehai, got to work with Jaka, you know, all kinds of Darby, got to work with Darby a bunch. So, you know, that was great. Um, and Biggins always told me something that also resonated with me. So I, I always reference Thorne and Biggins because those guys are like top tier mentors in wrestling for me. But Biggins always told me, you learn how to wrestle in wrestling school and you learn how to work on the road. And that always stuck with me because you can, you know, I know what works in AIW and like, I don't have to change it up, but what works in AIW might not work at ETU. What works at ETU might not work at C4. What works at C4 might not work at DPW. So you have to learn and go on the road. And like the territories in the most sense of like the 80s territories are dead. But if you're a smart independent wrestler, you treat the current indie scene like the territories because you are not going to work wrestling open like you work New South. They're completely different. And if you're traveling and you're doing that work, you're going to figure out how, how to do that stuff. 
Um, and that's the biggest thing. Um, the other big thing too, you talk about losing money. I, I tell every kid, you're going to lose a lot of money to start, but you have to figure out ways to offset that. Um, biggest thing I tell everybody is pay to have good merch design. Uh, don't have some shitty, my buddy from high school made me this and Adobe Illustrator t-shirt. Spend $100, have a great t-shirt design made that can also then be made into a sticker. Because if you do that, then there's that. You know, find where the best place to get your 8x10s printed are. I can tell you right now, it's a place called sharkprints.com. <laughs> they are the best place to get your 8x10s printed. They're cheap, they're high quality, and you're going to make money on them. You know, hey, who makes pins? Who makes pins? Pollyanna make, makes pins. They're cheap. They sell. So these things, you have to figure out ways to offset that. The other way to offset that is, you know, if you come from a school like AIW, I say you guys need to have four guys that you guys can pitch every promotion and say, hey, this is my call to four guys. We can work anybody on your card or we can work each other and we can do great. Here's the price for the car plus gas. And that's the biggest thing is, is all those things are the ways to kind of offset that. Um, because I'll, I'll circle back to Gabe. Gabe was at the prestige show where we wrestled the wolves and he pulled me aside. And obviously I hadn't seen Gabe in like maybe two years. Honestly, the last thing he'd said to me was hit me up to do some single stuff and evolve right after he had, I was done with man doing the Stokely thing. And I never hit him back up because I had started the tag team and I, it had gotten over so well. And then the pandemic happened. They got hired by the WWE. So of course I just never had the chance to talk to him. So he pulled me aside and was in, and Kevin at that time too. And he goes, uh, you guys are on like this crazy run right now. He goes, you guys are one of the most recognizable tag teams on the Indies. He goes, what do you credit your your success to? And I told him, I said, well, I said, I look at it a lot like the Young Bucks used to look at wrestling. Or when we started, we looked at it like the Young Bucks did. We are hard to book at that time because Kevin lived in Nashville. I live here. We live eight hours apart. That is not very logistically sensical for a promoter to pay a high rate plus both sets of trans at that point. We were a new tag team. So what would we do? We would tell a promoter and we'd say, hey, pay our trans and we will impress you enough with our performance and we will sell enough merch that we will make money on the show. And we did that. We did that for about a year. And then we got over everywhere. And then it was like, okay, hey, remember that trans only thing? Well, we want trans plus this. And then it went better and better and better. And now we're at to that point where we don't feel guilty saying, hey, flight from Chicago, flight from Cleveland or flight from Canton, Cleveland, wherever, Plus our rate, they no box, no box at it now, and that's the thing. But it wasn't that wasn't an overnight thing. You know, we had to eat that shit to get to this point. You know where we are now, um, and I think that a lot of wrestlers when they start, just because wrestling is so easily accessible to get into now, it's not like it was even in the early two thousands. It's there's a wrestling school within an out within two hours of everybody now, and you can get in there and. You know, people ask, how long until I'm on SmackDown? How long until I'm on AEW? And it's like, that's not how this works, man. Unless you're an immensely talented human being that also has a hook, like, you're not going to get signed right away. Like, you're going to have to grind out, and this is what it's like. I tell every kid who comes in this wrestling school, I said, I need you guys to read Mick Foley's first autobiography. I need you guys to read uh, I need you guys to read Chris Jericho's first autobiography. And then I have, like, another recommended set of books to, to read too. And I'm like, these are the guys you guys need to see because this is what the journey is really like. It's not, you know, Darby Allen is one in a, one in a million, you know, seven matches on evolve signed making millions of dollars. You know, everybody looks at orange Cassidy. Everybody forgets that, you know, orange has been wrestling for 15 years and he's just now finally where, where, you know, 
he's at this crazy point of making money. Like Mick Foley had been wrestling for, you know, almost 12 years before he got his third B run, you know? And people don't look at that. You know, we live in such a world of instant gratification that somebody comes in, they pay for wrestling school. They want to be over right away. And that just, it just doesn't work like that. It's just, this isn't the kind of business where that is. There's no show business. that's like that. When you think about it, no entertainment industry. It's like that. Yeah, well, I've, I've I've been I've been along with you for the ride, man. I've I've got a sad comp T-shirt here in my apartment somewhere. So I, you know, I uh, I, I remember I remember when you did the whole rebrand and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. But, was, <laughs> well, and that's and, and it's funny because I was just bringing that up to somebody last week. Uh, obviously, you know, we wrestled the Bang Bros a bunch last year, and they're gonna have to go through a rebrand themselves. Yeah. Obviously, getting a C and D. And I kind of told some, some people, I said, if they, I said, if they really wanted to make the most of this, this is their time to be taken, you know, very seriously. I, I don't know what the name would be that they should use, but rebranding into something that isn't haha is going to be key for them. Well, especially, yeah, because so many people are, their eyes are on them right now. Like this is a big yeah, story. Great. Yeah. 100%. You're awesome. And I will say that, I mean, some people probably were like, oh, that name is very stupid. And that's why we will not book you because your name is stupid. And we, people think that's silly, but truthfully, that is a big thing. People are like, God, these names, like if you have a bad name, people are just like, yeah, not into it. Well, especially if you're on show. I mean, I understand, especially if you're on shows with kids and they're like, Googling yeah, oh, yeah. You. I mean, like that's, I mean, I, I completely understand that for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, I don't know if Kevin really got into our kind of discussion of like our rebranding of our name, but like literally Ozzy Open was like, you guys need to change your name. Like, yeah, like you guys are too good to have this dumb of a name. Yeah, that is pretty much what he is actually told us. Yeah. That's 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 really funny. Um, yeah, something else. Kyle that... and Mark were just like, yeah, they're like, we couldn't. You guys couldn't go to England right now and wrestle because they would just laugh at you. And like, it's funny. The first time we went to Germany for WXW, they chanted Satcomp at us, but like they quickly stopped. But like that was it was honestly, and that's another big thing. Like I attributed our success to like we were like pretty good. Like we were getting booked remotely well prior to the name change but once the name change happened it was like everywhere yes well and one, one other thing kevin told us too that you you kind of touched on just a second ago that i don't want to miss is you mentioned being a big fan of like golden era ring of honor uh kevin told us that you know it's a big goal of his to to wrestle for ring of honor mm-hmm. like on a consistent basis especially um is that you know something that you we would love to do um is yeah. be a part of ring of honor yeah uh you know when Tony bought Ring of Honor, uh, I think Kevin and I texted that night, and like that was like one of our big goals. I don't necessarily – sometimes I don't necessarily know if we fit the AEW every every week TV model per se, um, but I do know that we would fit AEW – or Ring of Honor and what, you know, Tony says our Ring of Honor is about. What is Somebody asked him at the last presser, you know, after Death Before Time, they said, what is Ring of Honor – who's Ring of Honor for? And he said, the hardcore wrestling fan. I don't think that anybody appeals to the hardcore wrestling fan on a tag team basis more than Kevin and I. Right. So to me, I think that, you know, we fit in really well there. I think that they have teams there that we, you know, have proven that we work very well with. I mean, the workhorsemen and us, yeah. we put up on a card and we're going to tear it up no matter what. I think us in the kingdom would be great. I think that us in the infantry could probably do good work together. I know Kevin and Carly had a really good match last year on Uncharted Territory. So, like, I look at that. Obviously, I know we can tear it up with Ozzy Open. We've done it twice. So I look at that tag division and i know that we could be very good there you know and i can tell you that like obviously kevin and i are you know trying to take every medium we can to get there um you know we have a new strength conditioning coach the same one both of us so hopefully he helps us get you know there you know former pro wrestler eric stevens there we go 
Is so he still, he has, is he still killing it with the uh, with like the treat business that he's doing? So this is the craziest pivot you're ever going to hear. The treat business closed. Uh, he fell into a very sad state, and now he's like a personal trainer, uh, fitness guru who doesn't eat sugar products anymore. You got to be kidding me! Wait, nope. what? It's total pivot. Hundred and ten percent pivot. Uh, him and I talk multiple times a week. Obviously, like I said, he's my strength conditioning coach, uh, and does a lot of some of my nutrition for me too. Uh, but yeah, so he just, I remember getting the message lab right before the second comeback where he's like, Hey, we're closing the shop down. And I was like, so sad for him. And it obviously it affects him a lot deeper than I thought. And then, you know, after Jay Briscoe had passed away, he told me, he's like, I'm done wrestling now. He goes, I just don't want time away from my family. And during this time he took a super hard pivot and was like, he's lean, he's as lean as he's ever been. He's like almost single digit body fat. He, he has cut almost all refined sugars out. So the only time he's eaten sugar in the last like seven months was the two times he's gone on vacation because it's like his motto is like you diet as hard as you can. There's no cheat days, but vacation, if you, if your diet, what do you say? I think he's saying if you diet 340 days out of the year, then there's, you know, 12 days that you can just kind of go buck wild. And those are vacation days. Take those vacation days. So yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's opened up a service where he's helping, professional wrestlers kind of achieve body goals. Um, you know, so he's been, you know, Kevin and I were two of his first clients and, you know, I have lost almost 10 pounds already, uh, in the almost month I've been working with him. So, you know, working towards that, working towards all those goals and obviously, you know, cosmetic business. I do feel though that even though like I'm not a six pack abs guy, neither is Kevin. I do think that there's a spot in wrestling for that. I think that if everybody is jacked, everybody has crazy abs, there's no relatability. I think that's, well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw back to Steen. You know, I bring all this together. If you go to a wrestling, if you go to a WWE show, who are most fans dressed like? Kevin Owens, Bray Wyatt, because they're the everyman. They're relatable. They're very Dusty Rhodes like. And I do think that, like, too much of the last, you know, 20 years of wrestling has gone away from at least having a little bit of the everyman on the roster and gone towards only having jacked athletes that are unattainable. Yeah. There's a reason Jimmy Lloyd is, is like, is who he is. I mean, yeah. like, I see Jimmy Lloyd and I'm like, dude, I, I feel like if he can do it, I can do it. Then I see him do it. And I'm like, I could never do the stuff this guy does. This is incredible. Exactly. And I, I love seeing that's, that. That's a lot of us, but yeah, like back to ROH, like that would be like, kind of like one of the bigger end games. I think like either, Kevin and I had a big talk about about a month ago and our, our big end game is like signed ROH or, you know, touring Japan on a pretty regular basis, whether it be with Noah, new Japan, somewhere along those lines. I was going to mention that Eric Stevens, he's working with uh, Malachi, Malachi Black, who's mm-hmm. opening like a new kind of gym. Malachi mentioned that on his podcast and he he mentioned Eric Stevens, like Eric Stevens, the, the wrestler is now mm-hmm. doing this. So yeah, yeah he was into like the training stuff. He's going to do fitness for Malachi there, but he's also going to teach some wrestling classes because when yeah. he decided to step away, I kind of told him, I was like, spend time with your family. I was like, you can live vicariously through others, and, you know, and he considers Kevin and I, you know, wrestling kids of his. So I said, I said, take our success and roll with it. I said, and then I said, if you have a wrestling need, I said, when Tommy, because we call him Tommy, I said, when Tommy opens the school, I said, use that as your wrestling outlet. And I think that's his game plan. 
There you go. Um, you, you mentioned Japan and potentially touring there regularly. You went over to Japan with DPW. So kind of a couple of questions here. One, talk to me a little bit about DPW. Uh, when I messaged John Blood and I was like, hey, I want to get some some DPW guys on. He's like, message Kevin and Dom, see if they'll do it. They they bleed orange and black. Those were his exact words to me. Uh, Kevin, Kevin had very kind things to say about DPW, saying it's like the modern day kind of ROH with just like the production and the style and everything um and then yeah when they went over there to to work with a uh, gata move um earlier this year you were you were part of that as well so dpw experience and then kind of on top of that japan experience yeah so i guess i was on like one of the initial lists of like original dpw guys with kevin and obviously dpw kind of formed and started when i was out uh so they were like hey we're gonna still bring kevin in and then you know Kevin came in for a while. I came back. There was like some issues with a couple of the dates. So I wasn't able to do a couple of them. And then finally we debuted with that workhorseman draw last might've been, was it was either August or September last year. September. September. Yeah. September. It was, we did that workhorseman draw. And then from there, it was just kind of like a build from there. Um, you know, it was a, it was kind of like a perfect marriage from the start. Um, I see a lot of myself and a lot of my wrestling views in John and James. Um, and, you know, the time we got to spend in Japan, you know, I consider those guys actually like very close friends now. Um, there's a lot of times where John and I just DM each other, just totally random stuff that will only pop us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from the moment I stepped in the door at DPW, I could tell it was different from most indies. Most indies you go to, you get there, you sit down, you call your match, you do whatever. You know, I get there. First of all, they're right there to, to say hi to me. Then they said, Hey, can you get your gear on? We want to go uh, film these, you know, these like essentially this B-roll footage of you guys like warming up because we're going to do a package. And if you ask me to do that and I know that it's going to go into something, absolutely. I'm all in. And, you know, they had all these ideas and then, you know, they had a storyline idea right there. Like there wasn't like, Hey, we might bring you guys next show. There was, Hey, okay. Draw here, this, then that, that, that. Um, and I think that there was probably a longer a longer story to get us to the tag titles, but I think due to some of like scheduling stuff, it was easy. It was just like December was the time. And then, you know, Japan came along and I mean, it can't, can't speak enough good stuff about, you know, the week we got to spend there. Honestly, I wish I would have gotten to spend a little bit more time there, but I took two and a half weeks off last year to go to Europe and I almost lost my job because of it. So I was very specific. Hey guys, this is my time schedule. Uh, but something else that would have probably changed about the Japan trip is I would have gone out there earlier, but Kevin and I had already had two, well, Kevin and I had already had one match as a tag team that we had been wanting. We wanted to wrestle West Coast Wrecking Crew for a long time. So we had that set up. And then the day after I was wrestling Fred Roster for AIW in my hometown or in Akron. So it was like those Akron shows like are like a big thing for me because it's like the only shows my parents come to. It's like a lot of like my friends come that don't come to other shows. So it was that. So I would have in the future, like if like, we do like another DPW, like Japan tour and like I have the time, I'd, I would try to schedule nothing so I could go out like Thursday. Um, but man, just wrestling in Japan was so, was so fucking cool. Um, it was like a big bucket list thing for me. Um, it was a double bucket list thing for me too, because like that was a place where Biggins always wanted to go. Um, so the chance to go there, wrestle there, do the stuff that I know he would have wanted to do, like go to Totocon and also go to Disney or Disney Tokyo, uh, were big things. 
Um, and just like DPW as a whole, it's just such a, it's such a next level indie when you think about it. Um, just on a number of things. One, they've cultivated a crazy, like a crazy awesome fan base that wants to support them in whatever and everything that they do. So look at like that Ridgefield Park show. Have you ever seen that many people at the Mecca? I, I have not. I've been on many shows at the Mecca where I walk in the door and I want to walk out because I'm like, oh. And they they packed it and the fans were loud and raucous all night. Um, you look at their production. I mean, they spend all this money on lights. They spend the money on the production packages. I mean, they pay a lot of money to have Rich Pacini, who is like the formative voice of NXT for me, and Caprice Coleman, the current announcer for Ring of Honor, as their commentary team. Uh, you look at the, the the way they film. Harry Aaron is quite possibly the best guy in wrestling when it comes to in terms of lighting, things like that, for pictures and things like that. You look at Tony D. Come, they pay Tony D to come out and do the highlight videos for all the shows. I mean, they jokingly say it on on their podcast, but they're they're true. No one's doing it like DPW does it in, in terms of that. And realistically, if they wanted to. And there was interest for a company, in my opinion, like an independent company, end up with a TV show. One of the first companies that I would tell a TV producer to look at would be DPW. Just because, like I said, they care so much about all the little details. Like, you come to the show, they have a promo they want you to cut. They have promos they want you to cut after. And they tell you what it is. It's not just like, oh, hey, if we could get a promo, that'd be great. They'd be like, hey, go change your gear. We want this. And everybody that comes knows that. And you don't have any, <laughs> you don't have any, like, pushback on it as someone who has to go wrangle people for promos at AIW now because we've added so much production into AIW on fight I can tell you it's not easy but you know when you facilitate a really good environment of people that want to work and get better and do that it's there and you know when we spent that week in Japan with Tony uh James Johnny we were really able to see what their what their real vision for DPW was and it made us buy in even more um and you know we know what they want and Obviously, you know, we're looking at Beast Coast coming up here in two weeks with us versus the Motor City Machine Guns. You're looking at uh, Kevin Knight and Kevin Blackwood versus the Work Horsemen. So two phenomenal tag team matches. Uh, Shigehiro Irie, uh, Bojack. I forgot who is Jay Malachi. Jay Malachi in a three-way. I mean, just the talent they're bringing in for this show. Killer Kelly versus Emi Sakura. Come on. Like, there's not much there. And they're one of the few companies that I think doesn't need a tentpole like Fight TV or IWTV to prop themselves up. They've created such an amazing fan base through the podcast and through goodwill of just having great shows that they are one of the few companies left that can run their own on-demand service and do very well. They remind me a lot of progress, uh, pre-pandemic progress, pre-selling out to the WWE progress, where it was like you were really pumped to see that progress show after the live crowd talked about it. I think that they've cultivated a base just like that. Have a, ha, I don't know if there's something that really, is anything that really like affects you directly or not, but as somebody, I'm just kind of curious to know, as somebody who performs so many different places and it, not only that, just as a trainer and help, you know, booking and everything that you do, like you mentioned, you know, IWTV, Fight Plus, you know, all these streaming platforms. Have you had any like, 
can you speak at all to like is there any like as a performer how you're kind of you you I, I, there, it's weird this space we're in right now because for a while yeah. everything was IWTV pretty much everything was mm -hmm. all there and I know things change and you see it happen with like with Twitch and YouTube and uh, streaming and and all the different apps and everything but as like a wrestler who's so involved on everything is there anything you can speak of to, like the platforms like good experience bad experience or anything kind of like you know along with that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, truthfully, the experience for, like, IWTV and Fight is, is very similar. I think that their bases are similar. I think that we're in a weird spot where I think that when we were first in the pandemic and, like, let's say, like, ICW parking lot shows mixed with GCW 100-person shows on Fight, I think, and then IWTV started doing more, I think that your numbers on IWTV were insane at that point. I think their subscriber base was higher. But I think once the world started opening back up, I think that everything started dying down. And, like, I think most wrestlers will tell you this. My social media interactions post-show were, like, all-time highs during the pandemic. And now that we're out of that, it's much lower. And I just think that that's just an ebb and flow of just kind of everything. I think in general, too, just, like, a lot of talent has been signed. And, I, I mean – we'll get in the once every three month discussion are the indies dead the indies are never going to die in a formal sense but i mean there is very little argument to me especially as someone who helps book a top level indie it's hard to find a ticket mover that isn't just a, a pure independent wrestler that's not a, a legend or a new japan guy or something along those lines I, I don't really think that there's much of that i think there's great talent i think you go look at guys like brian keith alec price guys like that like the, and they might push a little bit but it comes down to like dollar it's dollars and cents versus dollars and cents. Uh, sure. When it comes to it, like can I book Shaw Mason? Who's going to sell his family 25 tickets and I'm going to make that gate money. Or do I book Brian Keith who has X amount on his rate plus a flight from Texas, a hotel for the night, etc. You know, for most Indies, that's where you got to look at the money. Um, and I think that, that, for a long time, indies didn't look at that. I think that they just looked at, hey, 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 streaming, 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 streaming. And now I think that people are completely changed on that, at least promoters-wise. They're saying, okay, they're saying, what's the localized talent in this area if I'm running this area, like GCW? Uh, or, you know, what can I build from within? Um, and I think that, like, while streaming over the last year has gotten better from Think Forever involved, I think IWTV has gotten better at it. I think Fight Plus has been great for all the companies that went there. Um, I just think that like for us as wrestlers though, we always want to be seen live because your most interactions are going to be off that. Uh, we all got into wrestling to be noticed, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. If they tell you that I didn't go into wrestling to get noticed, you're full of shit. <laughs> um, so you like that instant gratification of going to your phone after your match, hitting Twitter and seeing all the notifications. Um, and I'll tell you, like there are, there are companies that record that that's not always the case. Like, for DPW, usually your gratifications come a week after when they put that show on demand. But I'm fine with that when it comes to DPW because it's getting gift like crazy. Um, people are sharing the gifts and people are interacting with it. Uh, C4 is very similar. So C4, it's so hard for them to stream live because of just kind of their locale. Um, so usually that comes uh, like a few days later. Uh, but it all just depends. Um, 
it uh we all we all just want we all just want our, our recognition for what we've done it must have been maddening and you can go into more detail on this if you'd like to you don't feel like you have to but it must have been maddening maddening from that sense working for mlw then when y'all were because they would they would they would tape stuff like half a year in advance and then like now they're finally catching up a little bit yeah. like you know now it's like airing a little bit closer and their pay-per-views are finally live on fight plus you know but while y'all were there it was like there's all this buzz for vif being an mlw we all want to see you make a run for the tag titles and then like we're sitting there waiting to watch it waiting to watch it finally airs and then y'all are gone and it's like oh yeah it's so obviously the time when we were in mlw was a very interesting time period uh i was signed in september of 2019 clearly in February 2020, something called the pandemic happened. Um, so it got interesting. Um, so there's that. You look at, like, I got signed in September. Kevin got signed in pretty much January. Um, I did, I just had, there were so many creative directions for me when I first started. And, like, there was 98 pitches that were all sounded awesome to me when I started. Uh, <laughs> I was going to come and I was going to work all the shooters. I was going to work Davey Boy. I was going to work. Uh, Thatcher, I was going to work with Tom and there was talks like, Hey, maybe we'll put you with Tom. And then the first pay-per-view happened. I was on the pre-show with Douglas James at the time. We did this three-way tag. That was a total nightmare to call. Um, and then we had the match and we did TV tapings the next week. And Douglas and I did like another tag match, but then they're like, okay, they're like, well, we're going to, we're going to put you with Tom. It was a graphic that tape. Like, we're going to put you with Tom. And I was like, okay, great. And then it was like, Tom and I become a team and we did the really great angle in Texas with me, Tom and Eric. And then the pandemic happened and then everything got really weird because there was, they were actually going to put the tag titles on Tom and I before they signed Kevin um, because they were like, Hey, we want to put the tag titles on, you know, you and Tom and then Tom signed PFL and then he had these fights lined up. So I was like, Oh, okay, well that's kind of out and we'll figure out what we're going to do. Well, then the pandemic happened. So, when the pandemic happened, it was like, okay, reset. And then when the pandemic happened was when they signed Kev and they were like, Hey, so then we did these vignettes because they were doing like those weird, like MLW kind of like, I don't remember what they called them. Uh, where they're like, okay, so court would call and text me weekly at that point of like where we wanted the tangle to go. So the idea was in court to his genius, like sometimes court's one of the biggest geniuses in wrestling court was like, what do you have near you landscape wise? And I was like, well, I have a forest, like kind of like a forest in my backyard. He goes, can you act like you're in the forest looking for the next big fighter? He goes and act like the savages are, are, are like chasing. I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. So then the whole deal was that we did the deal where I was looking for this and then Tom couldn't find me. And then me, Tom, Eric and Kevin were all on a black label show. So it was perfect. We all come out of this forest scape and or we come out of this forest scape and Kevin's there and it's like, okay. So then pandemic is kind of like not quasi ending, but, Court finally has a date for us. We have, you know, three whole days of taping in Orlando, which these tapings were the worst. Um, I don't think you will find a single soul that was at these tapings that will not say that they sucked. Uh, And it was no proponent of MLW. It was just what we had to do at the time. Uh, Each day we had to be there at 8 a.m. And the first two days, Kevin and I were there from 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. It was the first day we were the main event with the Von Erickson chain match. The second night, the second day we were with Tom, who was in the finals of the Opera Cup with Loki as his corner. And then the second day was the day we filmed Filthy Island, which we had to be there early for, an hour earlier. So we were there at seven that day because they were afraid it was going to rain. 
And it was just like, that was also the week after like the, what I refer to as the COVID collective where everybody got COVID. Yep, um, I remember all that. Absolutely. And it was just like so much. And like, we had those long days and to MLW's credit, they, they gave us all bonuses for those days. And I remember the last day we had to, we had to do a squash match and pre-tapes and we were out of there by like one. I think Kevin and I went and ate at Buffalo Wild Wings and we were asleep by five. And then we were going, we were going to, Disney, and we were going to Disney the next day, and that was like the big hook for us. It was like we had to go to Disney. Um, but then that happened, and then I get hurt, and I got brought in as a producer for the first set of shows I was hurt on. And then I didn't get brought in as a producer the second set, and then I got cleared. And then I messaged Court, and I said, "Hey, I'm cleared." And Kev, I know that Kevin and you had talked, and the hope was I'd be cleared. And Court was like, "Oh, this is awesome." And then. Hey, we've got nothing for you. And then, Hey, we've got nothing for you. And then Kevin and I had wanted to do some extra work for AEW because in our contracts that we had signed, we were kind of in one of the first sets of contracts where it was like, Hey, you can work for AEW if we approve it. So, you know, we reached out to MSL who was our contract guy. And we said, Hey, we'd like to work for AEW if we get the chance. And, you know, he was very worried about tampering. And I was like, no, I was like, they didn't ask us, you know, we have to reach out to them. And he's like, well, he goes, you know, we'd be more than willing to give you guys your release because, you know, you guys have been great for us and haven't complained about anything. And we don't want to hold you guys into your deals if need be. And I was like, okay. And Kevin and I, you know, we were like, sure. And then that was kind of where like the big deal everyone started up was after that. So I have nothing bad to say about MLW. Um, I hope that, you know, they're successful in what they're doing now. Um, I know a lot of time heals all wounds. I know a lot of guys have gone back there. I don't know if that's something where Kevin and I would want to go back right now. I think we've had many discussions about how it's kind of not where we'd want to go. We to, to Kevin and I, we either want to be like the Danielson, Nigel, Samojo types or Danielson, Nigel types that are on the Indies until they get signed. And then that's kind of ride or die or nothing. Like we did the MLW thing. Wasn't exactly what we'd hoped it would be. And I don't think we'd want to go back to do it again. I appreciate you being yeah. so candid about that. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, Kevin kind of told us a bit of the same as well. So, um, yeah, and like I said, it's, it's no yeah. hard feelings towards Court or those guys. Like, Court's awesome. Court, you know, very amazing wrestling mind. Him and I would talk, you know, Texas wrestling history together too because he did so much with Gary Hart. So, I, I love wrestling history. Like, it's a big thing of mine that I got to study. Obviously, I was telling Jeremy about my times on Between the Sheets. So, those, you know, marathon shows, I listen to those, you know, when I'm driving. So, I love wrestling history and like court was awesome talking about that. I mean, I got to work with the Von Eric brothers. I got to work with yeah. Kevin multiple times. So like I'm going to go see this iron claw movie and like, no one's going to know that I know these guys. So it's <laughs> very funny. That's very true. That's all. That's actually really cool. Uh, I want to, I want to bring up FTR. We, we asked Kevin yep. about this, uh, the, the big call out from beyond Kevin said that like, it was kind of, it was almost happening. You guys have talked to FTR about it and they, yeah. they had meant, brought it up to Tony is there is there any progress on this FTR bout that so, a lot of fans sure really want? So I'm sure Kevin said. So Kevin and I wrestled Finn Juice, uh, Tampa Mania, when that weird bar that the IWTV venue all for action. That originally was always kind of penciled in. They wanted it to be FTR versus us. Um, FTR, we had an intermediary that was working with FTR, and it was very close to happening. And then the rumor is and I don't know how true or not this is, was that FTR went to Tony um, to try to get approval for the match. And Tony said that's the night the pinnacle started. So that's why it kind of went down the, the way it went down on that one. 
from there, you know, Warrior had had talked about making it happen. Actions talked about making it happen. Uh, you know, I know that Will from Prestige said first and foremost, if those guys hit him up, he would make it happen too. Because I know he has a, a vested interest in making that happen. I know he's worked with you know Sean Spears, who's very close with them as well. Um, there's not really like too much progress. Those guys are so busy right now with collision and obviously that they're a temple of collision. They're going to be a temple of collision. Um, so the hope would be that, you know, ring of honor and collision tape the same day. So if we were to end up in ring of honor, I'd hope that that would be a thing. Um, you know, obviously that's a match that, you know, a lot of people want to see, including Dax himself, who stated when he talked with Sean about it. So I just think it's, it's all about, you know, when can it work? How can it work? You know, obviously travel logistics become a real nightmare for those guys working indies uh if they were to work in indie um because okay well can it happen on a friday night i know tony's not cool with some guys working friday nights clearly those guys are saturday guys but okay if they work friday night is they close to where saturday's show is going to be you know can they get the early fight on saturday to get in you don't want to possibly you know have them work friday and then their fights get canceled because we all know that right now flights are insane and they get canceled for no reason anymore. Um, so things like that, or, okay, is it a Sunday? Can they get in on a Sunday? Can do we have a show that's willing to run a very expensive, let's put that way, a very expensive match on a Sunday? Uh, you know, so it all just matters on, you know, time, place and money sense. I think that, you know, if you talk to all parties involved, I think all parties involved want it. Um, I, you know, people talk to me about dream matches and, Realistically, I think Kevin and I have like three, had like two or three real dream matches left. And one is happening on August 13th for Deadlock Pro Wrestling uh, with us versus the Machine Guns. And then the other one is that one. So we'll see. You know, maybe we'll have to go, you know, to TK's playground to make it happen if it can happen, you know? I think every wrestling fan is is rooting for Violence is Forever against FTR. Yeah, when when I'm gonna manifest the win. Yes. Uh, you guys get signed to to ROH, then we, you can do the collision ROH taping, and whether it happens on a ROH show or whether FTR shows up at an ROH pay per view, whatever it might yeah. be, we'll make that happen. Oh, um, I mean, some yeah, of my favorite matches ever have have happened at Final Battle. So there you go. Uh, I love there something like that. Yeah, you mentioned action was was talking about this potentially action wrestling was talking about maybe yeah so action was like one of the first ones to like want to do it i know that you know matt griffin has Mm -hmm. a lot of intermediaries that kind of have some relationships with dax and cash and you know i know i have seen literally the text messages between dax harwood and matt griffin i was about Um, to text about myself right now and be like book (laughs) this like i mean obviously i don't want to but the biggest thing, like I said, it's, it's 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 time and money thing for the most part. It's it's gonna it's gonna take the right time. It's gonna take the right money, and also it's gonna take Tony being you know willing to if it doesn't happen under his banner, it's gonna be Tony being willing to let hit one of his top five most over acts take an outside booking, which for is sure. you know hard because when we talked with Dax in Nashville last year, you know he had said getting any approval from Tony for them to do stuff outside of AEW has been really rough for them. Like they had to beg to work the rock and roll express is what he said, which makes sense. You know, obviously it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy match and you know, there's any variable numbers that can go wrong in that match, but you know, hopefully, you know, somebody can make it happen. Or like I said, we get signed and it happens. I wanted to ask about you. You've, you've brought him up a, a couple of times, uh, Chandler Biggins. Um, mm-hmm. And 
there was a show earlier this year. It was about a month ago at this point. It was, mm-hmm. it was a Raw show. Uh, Raw was in Cleveland. And at the end of the show, I don't know if you were there or not, but at the end of the show, uh, Kevin Owens, after the show was over and everything, John Thorne was sitting ringside. Kevin Owens had mentioned AIW and just how much Biggins had it meant to him and his career and then how much AIW and John Thorne had, had done for him and everything. It was kind of a, a twofold uh, question here. One, can you, can you speak just a little bit more? about Chandler Biggins and two you've mentioned Kevin Owens a a handful of times and how much influence he's had in his career does he know how much influence he has had on your career so okay those are both good I'll start with Biggins then I'll (laughs) I'll 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 roll in scene second uh so we'll start with Biggins uh so this is a well-told story that I tell on podcasts as well Biggins when he first saw my email was so excited because my name was Dominic not because I was Italian but because he is a massive fast was a massive fast and furious oh, fan. It was so excited. He me to drive some kind of sex souped up Honda Civic, and he was going to give me a streetcar racer gimmick. Uh, I drove up in the shittiest five speed VW Golf, <laughs> and, and his dreams were dashed. Uh, but then he saw my ears, and then he saw me move in the ring, and was like, "Oh, this guy." Uh, so Biggins, big wrestling fan. So I'm a big wrestling fan. So we hit it off right away. Um, Biggins as a mentor to all the kids, man. Like we, it was actually Chandler's, you know, it was was his birthday yesterday. And a lot of us talked about, you know, that. And recently it was the anniversary of his passing. And, you know, we kind of all just talk about all of our Biggins stories. And we all have such great experiences with with, with Chandler, Chris. Um, I would take a lot of trips to Alpha One in Canada with Chris. And it was just me and him alone. And we just talk about wrestling and life. And I, I tell a lot of the kids too, like, there was a time like when I started the AW school was like right when my student loans started kicking in and student loans kick your ass when you're trying to pay them back and you're trying to become a wrestler and do all that. And he was always so gracious and so helpful with me when it came to, you know, paying on a certain time for school and things like that, uh, that I try to do the same thing for the kids. And it's just, you'll never find anybody that loves wrestling as much as that guy, man. Like he lived wrestling. And I, I remember me, him and Dr. Dan had a group chat together and we would always just kind of shoot the shit in it. And I remember when he got sick, like he told us in the group chat, like, Hey, I'm like, I'm sick. I'm going to the hospital. It's unserious. I'll be out in a couple of days. Kayfabe it. Don't tell anybody. And it kind of, it kind of went on from there. Um, but he was just so instrumental and in just like the start of like a lot of like the young AW kids careers. Um, and just, giving us the platform, giving us big matches, giving us just love. Because when you start as a student, not a lot of people love you. Uh, and, you know, Biggins was that guy. And sometimes if Thorne didn't see what he – or what – like, didn't see something in you, Biggins would always try to find something in everybody. Um, and then he would be your biggest hype man to Thorne or your biggest hype man to Ethan Page to get you book on off of one or your biggest hype man anywhere. Uh, you know, he was the guy that hyped up everybody. And, you know, I owe a lot of like, my early success to, to him and obviously John as well. Um, and, you know, losing him when we lost him, it, it sucked. It sucked really bad. And, you know, I don't tell anybody this, but like it sucked for me because that was the second mentor in my combat sports career that I had lost because in jujitsu, the gentleman who owned my gym, his name was Steve Heineman. And he was, you know, a big proponent into me with weight loss, competing and everything. And in 20, so I started in 2009 in 20, in 2012, he was diagnosed like a terrible form of liver cancer. We were told he had three months to live. 
he lived another two years. And I remember I had lost that tournament that day and I got the call from my coach that he had passed away. So it was like a double whammy. So in jujitsu, I lost one of my biggest mentors and then quickly in wrestling, I lost one of my biggest mentors. So it was like, it was a tough toll to take on me. Um, so it was a lot, but I, I, I take solace in the fact that I know that, you know, Chandler's looking down, watching every AIW show, watching every training session, laughing at the stuff he'd still be laughing at. Uh, definitely cannot believe how dumb some of the kids are at the school. Um, and I think he would be so proud into what we've kind of built into and what we're going to be building into here at AIW. I mean, we just ran this groom at the temple live, which is the old Masonic in Cleveland where ECW used to run shows, uh, where ECW ran a big show and, you know, we're about to run this big room again for jail at weekend. Uh, you know, I look at it, we've graduated 20 plus students since I took over the school and I think that he'd be their biggest fan. So I look at that. Um, and I'm happy that, you know, his memory lives on with AIW. I'm happy his memory lives on with stuff like Kevin, you know, recognizing him and, you know, Ethan Page recognizing him, guys that, you know, had all the, had all that work. And realistically, the other thing too, and I, Thorne and I tell people this, like Chandler was the biggest proponent of the women's division in AIW. And that's part of the reason why it's been so hard to get the women's division back up and going because, you know, besides the fact that I think that, you know, that signing boom kind of gutted a lot of the talent and gutted a lot of the mentors on the circuit, you know, John doesn't have the passion that Chandler had for, for women's wrestling. And, you know, we're, we're getting back into it. And I think we're getting close to it. Uh, on to the Steen topic. So does Kevin Steen know how much he has meant to my career? He actually does. Uh, in 2019, I was going through a rough time in my life. Um, it was right before the very first Paradigm uh, Grand Prix, the very first UWFI one, which I, you know, had a great performance at. Was probably Paradigm at the time their best show. Um, but I was just going through it in personal life stuff and work, I, you know, outside life stuff. And I left that Paradigm show that night to meet up with Kevin at the hotel because we were going to do the Workhorseman Ironman match the next day. And I got in my car and I opened Twitter and I had a DM. And it was from Kevin Steen. <laughs> And uh, coincidentally enough, it was, hey, man, um, I recently came across an interview you did, and I think it was with WrestleZone, right before the MLW pay-per-view, and he said where, you know, you cited me as your reason for wrestling. And, you know, you brought up, he goes, and, you know, I remember eating with you uh, with Biggins and, and Thorne after a house show in Canton, and he goes, you know, too often in wrestling, we hear about the bad. He goes... We hear about how bad we are, yada, yada, yada. He goes, so for me to read that and to see that I have inspired you to, to become what you've become is so impressive to me. And then he said something along the lines of, Biggins would be so proud of what you've become as a wrestler. And that meant the world to me. Uh, and, you know, him and I exchanged some, some DMs and, and stuff. And I, you know, reiterated how important he's been on my career. Um, and then last year, I had had a really nice body transformation that I then kind of fell out of, but I'd had a body transformation where I lost like 20 pounds and it was because it was right after my injury and I got really in really good shape. Um, and he had DM me right after that too. And was like, Hey man, like, this is so impressive. This is awesome. And like we, we just exchanged about how we hate working out. Uh, <laughs> how, especially for him, he hates it because we're both like as extroverted as I come across on the, across on these types of things. I'm so introverted in normal social situations. I don't like to talk. I don't like to be talked to. So like when someone recognizes me at the gym or recognizing in public, I get so just like embarrassed and I'm like shy about it. Um, like the other weeks, some kid at the gym was like, are you Dominic Rooney from AIW? And I was like, 
yeah. <laughs> I, like, one time I was shopping at like a Marshalls in Cleveland, and like somebody pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, are you excited for the show this Friday?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> so uh, he, he, that was something that Steam was really into too. He's like, "Man, he goes, I just I can't really work at a normal gym because people just pull me aside." So uh, yeah, I mean, he knows what you know how important he's been in my career, and I will beat the drum of being the biggest Kevin Steen fan ever, um, or one of the biggest Kevin Steen fans ever. I always jokingly told the AIW students, hey guys, when I came here, I want to be Kevin Steen. Clearly that was not what my trajectory was as a wrestler. So just remember, whatever you want to be, probably won't be that, but still have your favorites. <laughs> I can't talk that. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. I don't know. I mean, the only other question I had for you really, I mean, Jeremy, if you have more, feel free, but the only, only, only other question I had for you, Dominic, uh, was, I know you're a big MMA fan. I just want to know who your favorite UFC fighter currently is. Well, my favorite UFC fighter is retired. Uh, I'm a big Robbie Lawler guy. That's oh, yeah, just oh. retired. Big so, Robbie Lawler guy as well. Man, no, yeah. better, no better way to go out than that in the sunset. True true story, I wanted my uh, my my entrance music in, in wrestling to be Hold On, I'm Coming, because Robbie Lawler used to come out to that. Uh, once again, that was the whole John Thorne Dom battle about why it doesn't fit me as a character. And I said, okay. <laughs> but I did use it a few times in action just because I could. Um, I really love Charles Oliveira. The way yeah. he mixes uh, jujitsu along with striking, and you know, just love him. Um, big steep A guy, of course, Cleveland guy. Trained with him before. Awesome guy. Um, Did he beat John Jones? No, no. Love Steep A to death. Just not a good fight. Bad stylistic matchup. Um, just, just not, not a good one. Uh, big, uh, big Yuri Pekryak fan. Uh, you know, what he, that fight against Glover, you know, I'm excited to see. It looks like he's kind of on the ready to come back. They're going to do, it looks like they're going to do him and Pajeta next for the 205 belt. So, um, and then, you know, also guy just fought this weekend, Justin Gaethje. Can't beat that guy. Just always action fighter. And you got to love that. So, I mean, I, I pretty much, if I'm off on a weekend and there's a UFC card on, I try to watch it. I try to, you know, enjoy it. So, like I watched the main event or the co-main and the main on Saturday when I got home from uh, the AW show. So I try to follow, keep up. I don't keep up like I used to. Like for how I much keep up wrestling now, that used to be I kept up with MMA. But I don't do that as much now. Yeah. It gets tougher too with like, I mean, there's like UFC there's every, every weekend, weekend now. It's yeah, I mean. every weekend and you don't know who three-fourths <laughs> the guys are, but there's the contender series yeah. people. And it's like, what are we like? They, they need get, to fill that's, that's, shows. Yeah, that's an argument that I get into with Thorne. Thorne and I talk about the Endeavor <laughs> WWE partnership, and I'm like, I think you don't understand. Like, people think there's gonna be these crazy WWE cuts because of like money, but like, if you look at the way Endeavor has run the UFC, they have just added so many more shows. So I don't know whether they're gonna shop on a streaming deal, but I think Endeavor is gonna want to add more wrestling because it's a viable profile, especially with how hot the WWE is right now. It's a good yeah, point. For, it's a really good point for sure. I used to be very into uh, MMA, and now it's just like, okay, cool. If there's a couple guys that I know, mm-hmm. I will watch like Gaethje and Poirier this past weekend. I watched that, and the, yeah. and that was a great fight, great ending with uh, with Gaethje. But yeah, there's just so much. It's very tough to keep up with. It is yeah. no longer the days of one pay per view. Corey, yeah, Corey Hansen on the ill-fated Joe Rogan podcast that is impossible to listen to anymore. But I listened to Sandhagen and like just took his views of like life and training and. A lot of it can be kind of pulled into wrestling too. So, like, I really like Sandhagen a lot. He's also a crazy action fighter. So, he's fighting in Nashville like this weekend. 
Yeah, I know that Nurmaga Madoff pulled out. Did they find somebody for him? Rob to Font. Yeah, good, good, good replacement. Yeah, 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 I'll probably watch. Yeah, I'll probably watch that. I mean, have that collision and SummerSlam all going on at once. You know. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And also this weekend is uh, Jake Paul and uh, Nate. Diaz. Oh, Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Hey guys, don't don't overload the weekend or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dominic, uh, my last one, the last one we we ask everybody: um, the coolest thing you have in your room. Oh gosh, oh man. Well, probably my living room as opposed to my bedroom because I don't keep anything cool in my bedroom. <laughs> um, I'm looking around now to think what I what I think is the coolest thing. Um, hmm. I'm looking at like all these like cool signed posters I've gotten through the opportunities to work AIW. I'm looking at like my sub tag title belt, my tag team of the year plaques. Um, I mean, these all, are all great things. Of uh, all can, things, yeah. I'm gonna say it's in my kitchen. It's on my refrigerator. It's a one dollar bill signed by one Hornswoggle, Dylan Postel. <laughs> the story is, it's a bet. It's a bet that I won. And this was December of 2021's AIW show. Um, I was not on the card. I just had a run in, but I produced the show. Um, I was I was on the headsets in the back with John. And we had Dylan as, as one of the competitors. And he looked at the card and said, oh, my God, it's going to take forever. I said, we'll be done in three hours. And he said, no fucking way. And I said, we'll get it done in three hours. I said, looking at the way we have it set up. He goes, there's a Matt Justice and a Mance Warner match on this card? No way. <laughs> And I said, we'll get it done. And he said, what do you want to bet? And I said, yeah. And I was like, how much you want to bet? And he goes, $1. He goes, because that's all Cena would ever bet. He goes, because it's one of those things that if you lose the bet, it's not a big deal. He goes, but if you win, you have that money. And then if you when you win or lose, you sign the dollar bill with the date and what the bet was. So I have that. It, it hangs on my refrigerator. I love There's that. There's the famous... Uh... Cena and CM Punk bet where they bet a dollar and it, it's signed. Um, I don't know the, the full yep. story behind yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's so Swaggle took that and that's how that you know we, we rock and roll based on that. Uh, I haven't done I any more that. with him since then, but he was, I think we got done like 246 and you could not believe we were, we were so precise. <laughs> I think I remember being like on the on the comms and being like, we got to get back from Nurse quick, guys. We got to get back from Nurse quick. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that. I love one the the just betting a dollar and signing it. That rules. And then the the story of yeah, wrap up, wrap this up in three hours. That's that's tremendous. Yeah, uh, it's, because when I was out that whole that almost that year that that was that was my job. I was on comms and I was like producing matches, getting you know stuff to refs, things like that. And like that was like a big thing that helped me just in wrestling in general. Uh, John and I worked on timing shows. We I think now we're at like this point where AIW is like quite honestly immaculate when it comes to timing. If we have an AIW show that starts at seven 30 and is done any later than ten thirty, we are not happy. Uh, you know, we've made our decision like as a company, as a lot of these other companies, and this is where I'll get back to that streaming point. Like, we're going to run as long as possible. Absolutely not. Our goal is eight matches, four on the front half, four on the back half, a pre-show match that goes on at set between seven Oh five and seven ten that gets 10 minutes and central normal. Hey, here, these three guys that drove in, they get, you know, four minutes to do whatever we want to give, you know, meaningful pre-show matches, whether it be to our students, things like that. Um, and then you have eight matches, four on front, four on the back, the back end gets more time, etc. And, you know, I've had a lot of talks with like Josh, Josh prohibition too, about, you know, 
where we're putting stuff on cards versus like, because for a little bit there, like you had seven hardcore matches at a, on, on an eight match show and we had to figure out how to not kill the crowd by the end. So it's been a, it's been a balancing act, but you know, learning how to produce has been one of like the crazy, like best things we've had. And I obviously, if you guys get a chance to watch any of the newer AW shows, the production we have with, you know, the video packages, the tales, the tape, all the stuff Chase Oliver is doing is, you know, setting us apart in my opinion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic product. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I am very thankful that you guys run a- around here so often. I'm able to, to come out to, to a few shows. I need to get out some more. Um, but yes, I, it is nice to the Tadmore shrine. Anytime you guys run the, the shrine, I try yeah, to we'll be out. there. We'll be back at the Tadmore on October 7th. There you go. That's, uh, that's right around my wedding anniversary. So that'll, that'll be the wedding anniversary for me and the wife. We'll, we'll make it oh, on nice. the AW show. Um, Dominic, thank you again. Uh, thank you so much for, for doing this tonight. We really appreciate it. We, we have now for the third straight week, uh, set the record for longest interview <laughs> that we have done, uh, within like five weeks here, we're going to be at three hour interviews. Uh, Dominic, thank you again for doing this. Let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah. So, uh, at DGreenyBC on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, upcoming stuff, obviously, this coming Friday, um, August 4th, live on Fight Plus. Uh, first time ever matchup, Violence Severa versus Los Macizos, uh, former two-time GCW Tag Team Champions. Like I said, first time ever matchup. Really excited about that. Really excited to wrestle in Detroit at Harpo's. Harpo's is an awesome venue. Um, then you look at it next weekend. Um, we have DPW Beast Coast on sunday so if you're in the durham north carolina area durham armory first time ever matchup again us versus the motor city machine guns i believe on the podcast today the boys said that that will be the main event of the show um and then the week after that kevin and i will be at c4 for their annual fighting back fundraiser show uh crazy lineup already announced uh they just announced yesterday josh bishop versus lance hoyt which i'm Ungodly excited for. Oh, okay. That's gonna be an awesome yeah. match. I'm real excited. I was talking to Mark, the promoter, about how that came about. I know our match is one of two matches, and I'm very excited about either of those possibilities. Um, August 26th, we have Wrestle Rager for AIW in Cleveland. I don't know if we're gonna air that one live yet. I know that Wi-Fi is always an issue, but we'll see. And then uh September 15th and 16th, we have the JT Lightning Invitational Tournament. Uh, this is no hyperbole, the biggest GT lightning tournament in terms of talent we have ever booked. John, and I, John just sent me the first round matches today. Insane. First two talent announcements came out today, uh, or came out over the last week. We have, uh, Magnum CK making his AIW return to action, which is awesome for anybody who knows that story. Uh, he was on the fast track to some kind of big title in the company, had an injury that he thought was going to retire, took a couple years off and he's back now. And then we just announced the original psychosis. So uh, a little WCW flair. And believe me, we got a lot more talent, like 24 people in this tournament. And it is star studded. I can tell you that there are four must see matches minimum night one. And that's just off the top of my head. I myself think there's six out of the 12 matches are literally cannot miss matches. There you go. Thank you again, Dominic. Good luck this weekend in Detroit. I'd say have fun, but you're going to Detroit. Uh, so, you know, have, have as well, much that's fun. Where, that's that's where uh, that's yeah, where you hit the old I V I F uh, slogan. Have fun, be sad. Yes, <laughs> yes, love it. Uh, thank you again. Thank you again for for all your time tonight. Very generous. Uh, we really appreciate it. everybody. The links are below. You can follow Dominic. You can support him uh, using the links below in the description. 
Again, thank you for your time, Dominic. Go follow him. Go check him out. Go support him. Guys, we'll be right back here on The Spotlight. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.